This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. How is everybody tonight? Who's blessed? Who's glad to be in the house of the Lord? All right, all right. Hey, you know what? It's okay to get excited on a Wednesday night. I know you're thinking, I've worked, I've been, I've been gone all day. But we are here tonight to pump you up. We're here to encourage you and get you through the rest of your week. So who, whenever you come in on Wednesday nights, does it kind of feel like that extra midweek shot in the arm to kind of get you through, through what do they call it, hump day? We're at hump day, guys. All right. So we're going to get us through this, but, um, but yeah, man, tonight, uh, we got a message that I believe, uh, is going to speak to everybody here, but I do got to say this, that, uh, you know, not every message is just straight for, you know, to make you feel like all warm and cozy on the inside. You know what I mean? And so, uh, tonight the, the, the title of the message is excuses and procrastination. I'm just going to adjust this right here. Okay. Yeah. Excuses and procrastination. Now, I know that there's no, but do I have any procrastinators in the house? Okay, good. You know what? I'm amongst good company then because I've been guilty of procrastination and we've all been guilty of making excuses for not doing what needs to get done, haven't we? And, you know, it's, it's funny because uh, a lot of times in the men's meetings, I'll, I, I'll ask this question. What separates the men from the boys? Because there's a certain stage in life, right, guys, where you're no longer a little boy anymore. You've got to man up and take responsibility. And I do know this much, that when I was a kid, when I was, a, you know, a boy, I, sometimes, you know, I could sleep in on Saturdays and I could get away with some things that now I'm 32 and have a ton of kids, a bunch of them. You know, I, I, there's just some things that I can't use excuses for anymore because, listen... You're, you're a man. You're a grown-up. You have responsibilities at this point in time. And all of us in here, I mean, you've reached that stage, I'm guessing, where you realize that, man, I, I don't, I, the, the blame stops right here. This is actually my fault. I have actually done this, and now I need to, now I need to make it right. And so, we're gonna talk tonight for a few minutes about excuses and procrastination. Now, I have a quote from one of our founding fathers, Benjamin Franklin. Who likes Benjamin? You guys like his picture on that green piece of paper? All right. Uh, Benjamin Franklin said, he that is good for making excuses is seldom good for anything else. He that is good for making excuses is seldom good for anything else. And there's so many people that have a lot of potential. They've got talent. They've got skills. They've got they could actually be doing something great in life. But there's always an excuse. Well, I, I would have gone to school. Oh, I, I would have gone and done this. I would have submitted my idea. I would have got up early, but, 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 but. And they're always making excuses. And they've got more talent than the people beside them. But they're never getting anywhere because excuses always hold them back. And I'm encouraging us tonight that God's got better than that for you. And you are better than that. Say, you're better than that. I'm better than that. I can do better than this, all right? And so let's open up in prayer, and we got a few things to look at tonight, all right? Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, so much that we have an amazing church to come worship you in. Lord, that we've got family surrounding us. Lord, we're in a safe place where we can hear the word of God. And God, I pray tonight that as we open up our Bibles, you're going to speak to everybody here. Show us what we need to see, Lord, and bring us up to a higher level so we can be everything that you've called us to be. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said? 
All right. So number one tonight is this. Don't play the blame game. Don't play the blame game. Now, this is a game that our brother Adam started many, many years ago. You know who our brother Adam is? All right. So I want you to open your Bibles to Genesis chapter three. And, you know, if you're familiar with the story, uh, Adam and Eve, the first two people, well, Eve eats the forbidden fruit because God gave them this. I mean, they, they had it made. They had this, uh, the amazing Garden of Eden that says God would come down and walk with them in the cool of the day. I mean, can you imagine just taking your evening walk with God? We do that, but I mean, it's just, it's incredible how good they had it, okay? And God gave Adam dominion, and, and he said, listen, there's, there's thousands, millions of trees, so you can eat from any tree you want. The only thing is don't eat from that one tree right there. I mean, that doesn't sound too hard, does it? They could eat from any tree any fruit that they wanted, the only regulation, the only requirement is just leave that one tree alone. Don't touch that tree. And of course, human beings, what do we do? We head directly for that tree a lot of the time. But Satan did come and have his hand in this. But Genesis chapter 3, verse 12, they've eaten the forbidden fruit and then God confronts them. Now I want to show you what Adam did because he did about the most unmanly thing that we could ever do. Men, do not do this. The man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. And you look at verse 6, Adam was standing right there during this whole scenario. He, he was there when all this was happening. But Adam, he blames God, first of all. He said, it was that woman that you gave me. What were you thinking? And then he says, she gave me the fruit. This guy double blames the whole situation and shrugs off any responsibility that he had. And God had put him in charge. When you're in charge, you don't get to blame other people anymore. You, I mean, if it fails, it's your fault. Does anybody realize that? If you've been a manager, if you've been a boss, if you've been an owner, if you've, I mean, at the end, the manager doesn't get to blame all the employees. It's, it comes down to him, right? If you're the man of the house, if you're the husband, if you're the leader, you don't get to blame everybody else. You've got to own up and, and, and handle your business, right? Okay, well, well, we'll get there. All right. So Adam was standing right there, and he blames God, and then he blames Eve. And, and it dawned on me that Adam was, a, he was, he, he was an innovator, at least, to, to say the least. Adam was an innovator because Adam started throwing people under the bus before there was ever even buses. Come on. Was that? Amen. Amen. So we're the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. All right. So you can't pass the blame on. I think about this picture, or, or at least this, uh, this thing that President Truman kept on his desk, a sign that he kept, and you probably all heard this, but he put on his desk, the buck stops here. Because so many people, even leaders in our world, they're always looking for somebody else to blame. If things go bad, well, it was the last guy's fault. If things, if things go bad, well, it's these people. No one, will, no one will work with me. They blame everybody else. But I like a man that can own up and say, you know what? I'll take responsibility. I was in charge of this whole thing. My bad. I should have handled it. That shouldn't have ever happened. That's what a true, mature Christian does when, when things happen, man. You know what? Hey. I'm not going to blame everybody else. I'm going to own up to it. And a lot of times when we have bad things happen in our lives, we blame everybody else. We blame our spouse. We blame the kids. We blame the church. We blame our job. We blame, we blame everybody else 
instead of looking in the mirror and we play this blame game and you have to realize that you're responsible for you. Amen. You're responsible for you. Now, you've got people in your life that, you know, you pastors should be leading you and, and whatnot. But in the end, it's your decision on what you're going to do with your life. If you're going to answer the call of God, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ and stick with him, if you're going to, like we said Sunday, abide under the shadow of the Almighty, that's your choice. Nobody can force you to serve God. And at the same time, you can't blame everybody else when things don't go how they were supposed to go. We have got to start taking ownership of our actions. And I can say this. That blaming others is, I mean, an epic sign of immaturity. Somebody that, I mean, you know, people that have to blame everybody else, that just tells me, right, I don't want that person on my team. If I'm, if I'm building a business, if I'm building something, if I'm building a team, I don't want somebody that blames everybody else on my team. I want somebody that can say, hey, you know what, my bad, I shouldn't have done that, I messed up. That's the type of guy I want on my team. I don't want somebody, even if they're super talented, that always blames everybody else. Because that's immaturity, and in the end, they're, gonna, they're not going to come through when you need them to. And so, blaming others, that's immaturity. And think about this, parents. I mean, you can confront a kid. Let's say, let's say you, you know, come up to your kid. Did you get into the cookie jar? They'll have chocolate on their face, on their hands. And their hair, and the cookie jars open. What you're talking about, man? I, I, I didn't do it. It's my brother. And you know, the other, the brother may not even be there right then. But they always blame somebody, even though all the evidence is stacked against them. They've got the candy and chocolate all over their face. That wasn't me. I don't. I don't know what you're talking about, man. I've been there when my kids have done this. And I, listen, just fess up to it. But immaturity, little kids. Even though it's so obvious that they were wrong, they'll find somebody else to blame, won't they? Come on. And immature adults, even though it's so obvious that they put themselves in a bad spot, and we're not being mean, all right? But it's so obvious that they put themselves in a bad spot, yet they blame everybody else for their, their situation. That's immaturity, and that is not somebody that God's going to be able to, to use a whole lot. So let me show you something here in Proverbs chapter 28. Let's flip over to Proverbs and see what, see what the book of Proverbs has to say. Proverbs chapter 28. And we're going to look at verse 13. And one time, I was this thing makes me think of a story of my daughter. Her uh, preschool teacher was telling the kids a story. She says, hey guys, my husband's Italian. And he tells me that if you want to know how spaghetti's done, you throw the spaghetti at the wall and see if it sticks or not. She meant, like, take one piece of pasta and throw it at the wall. Well, Katie was out of town, and so I was with, I had all the kids doing dinner one night, so I made spaghetti because dudes can make spaghetti and it doesn't take a brain. So, I, you know, I made spaghetti, and, and, and I'm, I'm in the other room doing something, and I come back, and she got a wad, a handful of spaghetti and sauce. Look, Dad! <laughs> Throws it on the wall. I don't think it's done. It all hit the floor and went everywhere. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So we went to Burger King. They have uh, the 10 piece I get for $1.49. We got three of those. You know what I'm saying? That's how we do it when dad's in charge. So Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13, in the Living Bible, it says, A man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. Woo! Come on! That's a good word, isn't it? 
A man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. Who thanks God for another chance, man? I thank God for another chance. I've screwed some things up in my day. But thank God that he gives us another chance. But the man that refuses to admit his mistakes, he'll never be successful. We have got to get to the place where we can own up to things. And it's one trap that I see Christians fall into is this. We blame every stupid thing that we do on the devil. Now hear me out. Hear me out. The devil is the source of all evil. But the devil didn't make you eat 23 pieces of pizza that night. You know what I mean? The devil didn't, you didn't eat four, four wings of, four pounds of hot wings. The devil didn't shove that down your throat and make you do that. You made a stupid decision and then you said, the devil made me do it. Don't do that. Okay? There, you're, first of all, you're a born again Christian, so Satan shouldn't be controlling you anyway. You're not a, you're a child of the king. You're, you've been translated into the kingdom of, of, of God, right? So the devil should not be controlling you anymore anyway. Now there are some times that we're influenced, and yes, the devil does do bad things, and I get that, and, and sometimes we aren't fully submitted. I get all that. But if you go around blaming every stupid thing that you do on the devil, you're gonna be deceived your whole life. And, and, I mean, you're just going to be making mistakes all the time. Oh, the devil made me make a left-hand turn on right. Man, I can't believe that. And, oh, the devil made me eat too. The devil made me. Listen, don't stop that. you got to own up when you did something wrong and quit blaming the devil. Because for a lot of people, that's their excuse for never having to have self-control over any situation. Now, self-control is a fruit of the Spirit, right? It, yeah, it is. It's in there. Galatians 5. Look it up. 23. It's in there. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit, which means Christians have self-control. Now, 2 Timothy 1.7 also says, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And the more literal translation of that is self-control. So God has actually given you a spirit of self-control. I'm not allowed as a Christian to use the excuse, oh, I couldn't help myself. That was beyond my control, man. I couldn't help it, man. Listen. As a Christian, that's not an excuse that I'm allowed to use anymore because I have absolute control over my decisions. I'm, I can control myself. God's given me the power to do it. Now, sometimes I don't, and sometimes temptation is real hard, and sometimes we make mistakes, but I do have the ability to control my actions and to control myself. I, 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 God gave me a spirit of self-control. I am not allowed to use that. Are you getting that? You're not allowed. Don't ever come up and, you know, you just went out and beat a bunch of people up and say, oh, I couldn't help myself, man. Yes, you could. You could help yourself. You can't come in. Well, I, I blew up and cussed the kid's teacher out today. I shouldn't have done that, but I couldn't help myself. Yes, you could. Are you a Christian? Well, yeah, of course I am. Then, yeah, you could help yourself. You chose to let your flesh dominate you, and then you did something stupid. Own up to it, man. You shouldn't have done that. Repent and get over it. So I like something that uh, Brother Hagen said. He said, oftentimes, Christians who are having problems with the flesh think that if they could just get away from it all or move to another state or change jobs or churches, that things would be different. But you can't get away from the flesh. Moving or changing churches isn't going to solve the problem if it's your unredeemed flesh you're dealing with. Wherever you go, your flesh is still going to be there. And that's the truth. 
I mean, you're, you're just blaming a lack of self-control on the devil, but you need to own up to it and quit playing the blame game. I like what Dr. Barclay said even better. He said, the problem with moving to fix your problems is that you're taking you with you. You know what I mean? Hey, I can move to Texas, but I'm going to be there. I can move to New York. I can move to wherever, and, I, and, and I'm still going to be there. So if I'm the one that's the problem, I'm still going to have problems. And, and I mean, it breaks my heart that I see so many people, man, Barstow's the problem, man. Barstow's the... Hmm. No, it's not. The problem with Barstow is you live there. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, no, moving won't fix your problems if you've got a bad attitude. Moving's not going to fix your problems if you're bitter and full of rage and jealousy and mean and nasty to everybody because you're just going to take that to the next place and you're going to think that everybody at that job's a jerk. You're going to think that everybody at that church is mean and judgmental. You're going to think that everybody in that whole little town is, is full of complainers when you are the problem. So let's just, we're keeping it real tonight. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm going to move on to point number two here. We're talking about don't make excuses. Number two, don't make excuses for sin. Now, we all make mistakes and we all sin. You know, hey, we all sin. There's nobody in here that, that would, I hope nobody that would lie and say that they don't. Because we all do. But that doesn't mean that it's okay and that we shouldn't make effort to correct the things we're doing wrong. You know, it's one thing to commit a sin. It's another thing to make that your lifestyle. It's one thing if I stole something one time. It's another thing if I steal things every day. I'm a thief. You know what I mean? It's one thing if I told a lie one time or every now and then, but it's another thing if I continually tell lies, I am a liar. Amen? And so there's a big difference. And in fact, the Word of God tells us in several places, in Galatians 5 and in 1 Corinthians 6, it gives a whole list of things, you know, especially of sexual sins. And it says, I've said it once and I'll say it again, Paul says, anybody living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, it doesn't say anybody that one time, you know, made a mistake or that was in your past, but you've repented and you got over it. I mean, that's one thing, but it's another thing to continually live in that sin and choose to make that your lifestyle. It says you will not go to heaven. It says you're not going to get into the kingdom of God. And that may sound super mean and not what people want to hear in 2017, but the word of God didn't change. It didn't need an update. They didn't get the iOS 11.335 you can't update the Bible. It's already perfect. What would you change it to? It, it's never needed an update. Everything that it says was just as true 2,000 years ago as it is today. What was wrong in A.D. 33 is wrong in 2017. It's never going to be okay to steal. I don't care if society says, yeah, it's okay now. I mean, you can steal stuff. If, if you steal from rich people, then it's okay. It's stealing and it's wrong. Amen? It's never going to be okay to tell lies. I don't care if our culture says that it's now okay to tell lies, it will never be okay with God. I don't care if our culture says you can do whatever you want to with whoever you want to, it's not okay with God. God didn't need an update, and there's the exact same price to pay for sin as there was back in Jesus' day. It didn't change, people. And so let me show you something. Galatians chapter 6, verse 5. Galatians 6, verse 5. And I, I, I said this Sunday night, but I apologize if you're in here and you're a snowflake and you melt down tonight. I'm so sorry. We're not trying to have any meltdowns, but this is the word of God. OK, so just we got to We got to do this. We have to do this. We got to tell the truth. Galatians six, verse five. No, no meltdowns. Galatians chapter six and verse five. 
So we can't choose to live that lifestyle. I mean, you can't just be a person full of rage and get in fights every day and say, oh, no one's perfect. No, don't do that. Galatians 6, 5 says, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. We are each responsible for our own conduct. So that means we will answer for the things that we do. You will be held responsible and accountable for the things that you do. And you're not going to be able to make the excuse to God, well, man, you know, hey, the struggle's real, bro. You know what I'm saying? The struggle's real. I could not help it. God's not, that's not a good enough explanation. That's not good enough. Listen, we have to own up and we have to quit making excuses. We are each responsible for our own conduct. I want you to flip over to Galatians, or excuse me, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, flip over one book. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Check this out. Now, again, I put the disclaimer. We're not trying to make people feel bad tonight. We're trying to set people free. We're trying to help us out. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Ephesians 4, verse 30. And, man, this one hit me right between the eyes one day. I was like, oh, that hurt. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, it says, And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he's identified you as his own. Guaranteeing that you'll be saved on the day of redemption. It says that we can literally bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit. We can embarrass God by the way that we live. And it says he's identified you as his own. That means he said, yeah, that's my kid over there. And then the kid does something really stupid. Oh, man, dang it. You know, have you ever been in the store and your kids just do something super stupid? Come on. Don't. Come on. I should see more hands than this, people. All right, I guess we got liars. That's cool. We'll pray for that in a minute. But... I've been in the store, my kids have done dumb things. And, and you know, at the time you're like, you don't want to identify that as your own kid. You want to be like, whose kid is that? I mean, come on. It's embarrassing. They brought sorrow to my spirit, man. I felt awful. We've all been there. But listen, it says, whenever we act up and we don't live how we're supposed to, it says we're bringing sorrow to God's Holy Spirit because He done claimed you as his own. He identified you as one of his own. That's my boy. That's my kid. And then we go off acting foolish. And it says it brings sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. And so I'm encouraging us that we can't make excuses for what we're doing. We got to own up and say, hey, I was wrong. And we need to come to a place of repentance. And repentance means you acknowledge this sin, you talk to God about it, and then you quit doing it. I heard one preacher say, All repentance means is to change your mind. And I don't agree with that. I think there's more to repentance than changing your mind. Just because I change my mind and think that it's not okay to do drugs now, but I continue to do it, that doesn't mean that I've repented. i got to quit doing it in order for it to truly be repentance, right? That repentance means stopping it and turning it around. And so... We've got, to, we've got to get a realization of this and not make excuses for our actions, but own up to them. Number three, here's the meat of the sermon. Here's the meat. Number three, don't make excuses for laziness. Can I get an amen? Can I get a witness in the church tonight? Don't make excuses for laziness. I want you to look at Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 4. Man, aren't you glad you came on Wednesday night tonight, Wednesday night church? Ah, God is good. Proverbs chapter 20, let's look at verse 4. But we're just talking, we're just, we're, the rubber's meeting the road. We're just being real tonight. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 4. And 
you know, we see so many people that, that make excuses for just not wanting to get their hands dirty. And you're like, well, that's not, you know, I don't know about that. Listen, it's unbiblical to be lazy. It is very much immoral and wrong and sinful to, to be lazy. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 4, and I like this in the New King James, it says, The lazy man will not plow because of winter, but he will beg during harvest and have nothing. So this guy right here made an excuse. Well, I can't go out and plow. It's the wrong season. But then whenever the next season comes, he wants to bum off of everybody else that went out and plowed during the winter. Right? Everybody else had to go out there, even though it was cold, even though it wasn't a nice season. They had to go out there and still plow their fields, according to this scripture. They still had to go out there and do it, even though it wasn't convenient. But then, during the next season of life, they had food. They had provision because they put in the work when it was inconvenient. But this guy, he says, man, can I borrow some food right now? I didn't get a chance to plow. It was too cold. No, it was cold for everybody. Nobody wanted to go out there and plow. But the people who did it, they're the ones that have provision right now. So this guy made an excuse. And then he tries to go reap the reward off of everybody else's hard work. That's unbiblical. That's wrong, and that's a sin. This guy shouldn't have done it. The New Testament tells us that if a man doesn't work, then he doesn't eat. He says you need, you need to put in some work, you need to put in some effort for what you get in this life. And that's, I mean, that's just straight up Bible right there. That, this isn't a mind-blowing revelation to anybody, but it's absolute truth. And so it's, it tells us right here that this guy goes off begging, but he had the exact same opportunity that everybody else had. It doesn't say that he had some handicap. It doesn't say that he had some inability to plow. All it says is he told everybody, oh, it's, it's, it's too cold to plow. It's winter right now. But everybody else had to go plow even though it was winter, right? Come on, right? He, he, there, nothing else set him apart other than his attitude and his work ethic. He, it does not tell us that he had terrible circumstances and it was unfair and unjust. No, he just chose not to do it. And then during the next season, he was paying the price for his previous choices. Now let's look at chapter 26 here. Proverbs chapter 26. Because this gives us a few verses. Proverbs chapter 26, we're going to look at verses 12 through 16. But what we are discussing tonight is excuses and procrastination. And procrastination, I saw a bumper sticker a while back. It's very inspiring. It said, procrastinators of the world unite tomorrow. <laughs> you know, we'll, 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 we'll unite, but we'll, let's get to it tomorrow. Anyway, Proverbs chapter 26. We're going to look at verses 12 through 16. It says, there's more hope for fools than for people. Wise. Oh, that's rough. There's more hope for fools than people that think they're wise. The lazy person there's a lion on the road. Yes, I'm sure there's a lion out there. And so they're like, I'm not going to go out there and work. There's a lion out there. As a door swings back and forth on its hinges, so the lazy person turns over in bed. Ow! Lazy people take food in their hand, but don't even lift it up to their mouth. I think the, the Living Bible says that lazy people take food in their hand, and they're, they're, they're too tired to even lift it up to their own mouth. 
And I'm like, man, that is nuts. But look at uh, verse 16. Lazy people consider themselves smarter than seven wise counselors. Now, I think this proverb is prophetic because there's no way that he could have seen 2017 when we've got a world full of lazy people that can use Google and think they're geniuses, but never lift a finger to actually do anything. They're like, oh, man, I have read all about warfare. I've read all about, I mean, I know everything. I've ever been in the military. Well, no, but I mean, I've read all about it, so I'm, I'm an expert. Really? Okay. I have read all about welding. I've, I've read, I mean, I've read every article the internet has. Have you ever welded anything? Well, no. Then I don't want to hear what you have to say. You're a fool. You think you're an expert on something, yet you've never set your hands to it? You think you're wiser than seven wise counselors, but you've never actually tried it? And now you want to tell me about it? I don't care what you read about. I care what you actually did. Would you, would you want to go to a surgeon that you go in there and say, Hey, Doc, what's your credentials? Well, to tell you the truth, I have read all about open-heart surgery. I have read book after book. Okay, how many of you done? Well, I've never actually done it, but I've read all about it. Get your hands off of me, you creep. I don't want you touching me. Monster, man. Weirdo. I'm not going to let you cut me open if you've never done it to somebody else. That's crazy. Yeah, there's people that want to give you life advice. Yeah, they've never successfully raised kids. They've had, you know, ten wives or something like that. They want to give you marriage advice? No, thank you. No, thank you. I'll, I'm, I'll just I'll deal with what I've got going on right now. But seriously, people, lazy people, they think they're brilliant. They think they're geniuses because they never actually have to put their hand to something. They can just read about it. They can, they can sit around in their underwear eating Doritos playing Xbox all day. And think that they're, I mean, just God's gift to the world. I know, I mean, I know one guy that he, he is the research king. You can bring up a topic and like, hey, could you, could you find this, you know, can, can you help me with this project? Yeah. He'll get back to you six months later. I've been researching and researching and research. Man, all I asked was how to change that light bulb. It shouldn't take, shouldn't have taken six months of research to change a light bulb, dude. But, I mean, listen, you got to actually just get out there and put your hand to something. That's the biblical way to live our life. And, and I like something that George Washington Carver said. I mean, he was the man. George Washington Carver was born into slavery, and he ended up being one of the wisest people of his era. And he had came up with like three or four hundred different uses for the peanut. I mean, things that we use today, different cosmetology products and everything, George Washington Carver invented a hundred years ago out of peanuts. It's incredible if you look at the list of things this man created out of peanuts. And he was an amazing on-fire Christian. He says one day he was out walking, and he was really into science, but he says, God, I'm asking you to show me the mystery of the universe. Show me, show me the answer to it all. And he says that God told him, well, I'm going to give you something more on your level. I'm going to talk to you about peanuts. And, and, and sure, I mean, and it wasn't a joke. God showed him like so many things to do with peanuts, things that we use to this very day because he, but he said this, he said 99% of failures come from people who have a habit of making excuses. 99% of failures come from people who have a habit of making excuses. So we, if we want to do something, man, we've got to get past this excuse thing and we've got to just, we've got to start putting our hand to something. I mean, I'd rather put my hand to something and fail at it than not, than not have done anything at all. 
I'd rather go out and, you know, and work really hard and it didn't turn out the way I wanted than have just sat at home playing video games, right? Am I right? I, I, that's how I feel about it. And so another thing we have to watch out for, no offense, especially us men, is procrastination. We tend to procrastinate. I already talked to you, honey. Do not say amen. I talked to you earlier. Okay. I gave... So... We tend to procrastinate, don't we, guys? And I, I saw this great meme on the Internet. It said, ladies, if your husband told you he would fix something, he'll do it. There's no need to remind him every six months. <laughs> we'll get to it. Just we need a little more time. We'll, we'll get. Come on. <laughs> come on, guys. And all the ladies said. Amen. Yes. All right. We'll get around to it. We just, we you know, the game was on and you know, the, the kids, you know, was, I had a late night, ugh, but I'll get to it. But seriously, guys and ladies, we got to quit procrastinating. You know, the job's just got to get done. We got to get out there and do it. And 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 you know, there's all we all have all these things that we know need done. But we just there's always something that's more fun or more important to do. The game's on or whatever. Listen, that's not maturity. We've we've got to step up to the plate and quit procrastinating on everything. Amen. All right, last thing, number four, number four. Numero cuatro, amigos. Don't make excuses for not serving God. Can I get an amen? amen? Don't make excuses for not serving God. Now, again, if you're here and this hits close to home, don't have a meltdown. Just listen to the word of God. But I, I've stated it before, and, and I'll say this again. And this is just, I'm talking to the men especially. we we, we got to own up, guys. This is the absolute truth, that when dad is present in the home... And doesn't go to church, I mean, nine times out of ten, kids will stop going as soon as they're old enough. If dad's present in the home. And, and doesn't, most of the time, kids, the first, and, and that's sad. You could have the most holy, wonderful, spiritual mom, and I've seen it, I mean, thousands of times. Mom was a saint, but dad was a bum. And so the kids, as soon as they turn 18, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to do what dad does. He doesn't have to go. I'm not going. That's wrong, man. I don't, and I can tell you that much. That's not going to happen at my house. My kids aren't going to. That's not going to happen, man. They're going to see mom and dad serving God together, and and they're going to serve God all the days of their life. Well, I wouldn't be so sure of that. Guess what? I am because I live under the blessing. Listen to Sunday night sermon. Part of the blessing is this: is that your children will serve God, and I live under the blessing. And Hebrews eight six says that I live under a better covenant with better promises. So take that. My kids are going to serve God. They're going to they're going to serve God. And your kids are too. But the truth of the matter is this. On average, on average, women tend to be more spiritual than men. And I, <laughs> Don't throw rocks at me, guys. I'm trying to set us free tonight. But the truth of the matter, if you go, and it's crazy. I was reading a thing about this. You know, I just, I read stuff. I read. That's what I do. I read. But I, I was looking at even back to like a thousand years ago in church history, even when there were more men in the population than women, there was still, even the earliest church attendance records we have, even back in Europe, women always went to church more than men. And I'm like, guys, what's up with that? Come on, man up and go to church. 
that's sad. But, but truthfully, even you can look back to like a thousand years ago in Rome and everything else, and the church attendance records show that, that, that women went to church like 60, 40 compared to men, and, and there was even more men in the general population. If you look back to the early American church records in the 1700s, there was always more women in there. I'm like, why is that? Where is the lack of manliness where men can't get up and, and, and be the man and lead their families spiritually? Because you can have a super hardworking guy that will you know, bust his behind 40 hours a week, but then be a bum when it comes to spirituality. And the kids sickingly follow that example. Because it's in our DNA, it's in our nature that, that God's, God said, okay, don't get mad at me ladies, but God said the man is the head of the household. And so every kid, it's just on the inside of them. And even though mom was a saint, if dad was a spiritual bum, they somehow follow that example most of the time. And, and, and I've seen this. I mean, I've been in church since the day I was born. I have seen this time and time again, and it breaks my heart. And so I encourage us as men in here and ladies, but as men, listen, we got to step up to the plate and take the lead and take our families to church. Amen. And maybe you don't even have a family yet, but you just make the determination when I've got kids. They're going to church with me. They're not going to see their dad sleeping in on Sunday morning, watching TV, you know, and, and not going to church. They need to see a good example. Amen. All right. And so I want to show you uh, one last verse here. And that's 2 Corinthians 5.10. And as we're turning there, I heard of this one church that made a no excuse Sunday. I was like, this sounded interesting to me. I mean, we're not going to do it here. But they made what they called No Excuse Sunday. Because I've seen people that have time for all sorts of things. I mean, they can go out and play all week and, and go to concerts and ballets and, and, and go on trips. But somehow, conveniently, they just never quite have time for God. And so this church had a brilliant idea. They made a No Excuse Sunday. For the people that are always not feeling well enough to come, they hired a doctor to actually be on the premises at the moment. For people that were just too tired, they brought in rollaway beds. So if you want to at least come to church, we'll let you sleep in the back, but at least you'll be at church. For people that just were too hungry, we'll have snacks out in the lobby. So if you get too hungry in the middle of church and just can't take it, go out and get, get, get a snack. I mean, they took away every possible excuse. And guess what? The excuse makers still didn't come because all those things weren't the reason they didn't come to church. They didn't come to church because they're spiritually lazy. They didn't come to church because they just apparently don't really love God that much. That's, that sounds mean, doesn't it? <laughs> that sounds really mean. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. It says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And so we are all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ someday. Everybody. You will stand before Jesus when this is all said and done, and you will have to give an account for your actions. Now, this doesn't mean you're not going to heaven. I mean, if you're at the judgment seat of Christ, it means that you're going to heaven. If you're at the great white throne of judgment that it tells us about, then you're not going to heaven. All right? So, you, at least if you're at the judgment seat of Christ, you're at least getting in. But you still have to answer for the things that you did in this life. And, it, and it, I mean, it, God can say, well, I mean... 
you received me and truly believed in me. That part's good. But why wouldn't she ever do anything for me, man? Why wouldn't she ever, why wouldn't she ever serve me? Why, I, I, I bailed you out. I healed you. I, I delivered you. I gave you another chance. Why wouldn't you help me out, man? Why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you get up and do something for me? Or, uh, I, I don't know. I, I was tired, man. You know me. I just, work 40 hours a week, dude. You think that's going to be a good enough excuse to God? Come on. Let's get real. Let's get real and quit making excuses and procrastinating. The Bible says, behold, today, right now, is the day of salvation. And that person that always puts God off, always puts him off, always puts him off. It's a shame when you hear that somebody like that ended up dying because they kept putting it off. And you're pretty certain that they never did make that decision for Jesus. Well, guess what? At that point, it's too late. So right now, today, right now is the day that you can make changes. And, and, and if you're mature enough to say, yeah, I, I, I've, I've been, I've, I've been ex- making excuses. I've been procrastinating. Man, own up to it and quit doing it. Do you realize that you could be walking in the blessing of God? Do you realize how amazing your life could be right now if you were just fully submitted to God? You know, Matthew 6.33 sums it up. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things will be added unto you. What things? Well, it just gave us a whole list in Matthew 6. It talked about provision. It talked about clothing and food and your kids and your household. It said all the things that you need, I'll give them to you if you'll seek me first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. But the problem is, is that way too many people... Oh, they want the blessings. They just don't want to seek the blesser. And so they're like, oh man, I want all that stuff. Yeah, I want healing. I want peace. I want joy. I want love and acceptance and provision. I want God to be my provider. I'm going to go to church though. I want to tithe. I don't want to pray. I don't want to read my Bible. I'd have to get up early. You're crazy. Really? Listen, don't expect God to just shower down his blessings and say, take it all. Take it. Just take all of it, man. And you're never going to give him the time of day. I had to make the choice, man. I was an immature Christian for a long time. I had to make the choice that, listen, I'm not going to get time with God unless I force it. Because, you know, you've got to get up, go to work. you got kids. And and I'm not a night person. So I just had to make this choice. I'm going to start. I'm just going to have to get up early. I know, that's, doesn't that sound terrible? Have to get up early. And so I started in 2011 getting up at 4 a.m. to read the Bible and pray. And, and you know, and sometimes it's 5, 4 or 5. But if I don't do that, I'm not going to get time with God because the kids wake up and I'm here and people are texting me all day needing stuff. And it's great. It's my job. I love every minute of it. But at the same time, there's not a lot of time to spend time with God. And so now I'm like... My kids go to school in Victorville. I got to get up even earlier. So this morning I got up at three and, and, and had time with God. But I'm not saying that to brag. It so if that sounds bragging, I'm not. I'm just saying you have to. If the time's not there, make the time. Because guess what? If I was hungry, I'd find time to go somewhere and eat. If I was that tired, I'd find I'd find time for a nap. If I really wanted coffee, I'd find time to go get some coffee. If I wanted to play basketball with my buddies, I'd clear my schedule and make it happen. If I wanted to go play Xbox with my friends, I'd, I'd, I'd go make it happen. We make time for what we feel we need to make time for. We all have 24 hours. You're no different than me or anybody else. We all have 24 hours. We usually work eight of them, sleep six to eight of them, have about eight more to do something with. I think you could give God, I mean, 30 minutes, 15 minutes. 
I'm going to shut up very soon, but I've got one more thing to say. This came to me one day. How many hours a day do we give to our phone? And how many minutes do we give to God? Oh, holler. All right, let's go ahead and stand up. I'm in right there. Let's go ahead and stand up. It's 8 o'clock. That's just a perfect ending point. All right. So let's quit making excuses. Let's get real. Let's quit procrastinating and say, God, you know what? I'm going to put you first. Let's, Let's start being real with God. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.